everybody to another episode of Tuesday Tea with me, your host, Sweet D. And today I am just overwhelmingly excited to chat with Katie Chinakis. She is here with me today, you guys. And I mean, if you've been following me for a while, you know that I'm I'm Greek. And we happen to have another just gorgeous, lovely Greek lady today that we get to chat with. Yay! This woman has so much going on. Listen, Katie works in the entertainment industry as an international actress, author, environmental activist, and women empowerment coach. She's optimistic and a beacon of inspiration to everyone. And I got to tell you, we were chatting just before we hit record, and that is, there are no truer words. <laughs> she absolutely is. It's incredible. There's so much you've got going on. You have three brands. You're a musician. I mean... I'm, I'm like looking at my questions here. I'm like, where do I even start? Okay. Let's talk about where you got the passion to become an empowerment coach. Honestly, I think I got the passion for my Greek roots and I've always been a self-starter go-getter. My dad was a cross-country runner. He turned me on to cross-country running. I had a lot of foresight from cross-country running. I learned about short-term, medium-term, long-term goals. So I think that gave me the strategy as a logistics expert to be able to confide and have empathy and to understand other people's stories by planting a seed, you, you know, the soil, you, you plant the seed, you nourish it, you water it, you maintain it every, you know, day to day, it's like a garden. And then you, you know, rake it every three months, you rake away the duds, you put some new soil. I've always looked at life as a garden and as a white canvas. And I think my cross country background really gave me the structure, the outline, the platform to feel that as a youngster, and then to grow like an oak tree from within my own core. And, and then, and then, and then obviously like reading and hearing about Greek mythology and all the fantasy, the play and the color, just allowing my mind just to run wild as, as a poet and being involved with like, you know, Plato and Socrates. So I think that was my, the passion of my roots growing up. It really is incredible when you start thinking about just who we are in this incredible time in history and the generations that have come before us to get to where we are right now. It's amazing. Before we hit record, you were talking about just generational curses a little bit. Can you let the listeners know what that even means? Sure, sure. I mean, in uh, a data fundamental term, I guess you would say, so the people who actually invented the first computers and the codes and everything soon they're already deceased or on their way out. So the the newer people who are building certain things, I've been told on a software level, it's not integral where it's actually the systematic values of taking time to set it up properly. So they're like collapsing. I guess it's the same thing as cars being more plastic now instead of that hard metal steel that we used to have those amazing tank of cars. And then if you're in Europe and you're looking at the beautiful architecture in New York City of the buildings and how people took the time to sculpt and do the things that they did with the, the intricate details. And now it's like you see a building and it's just flat or, you know, the, the materials they make out of it. So I think those are kind of some brush strokes of examples. I'm not a software engineer by any means, but I've just, you know, have just tuned into the best scientists and, you know, audiobooks and listening to, to what they say and then energetically 
transform and communicate what I learned from them to the watcher and the listener now. And so that's how we communicate and share information so we can kind of shape shift and mold to what's in alignment of now what works, dismantling what doesn't work, because the old systems don't work, you know, like the old systems of why people we're dressing back in the day and how people were making clothes isn't the reason why we dress and make clothes and, you know, how we dress now. I mean, the, you know, the functionalities are different because we're always changing, if that makes any sense. It 100% forever changing. And thank God, (laughs) thank God things are always changing, right? Hopefully in a a positive direction, right? Well, Mm. okay. So you are an actress, Tell us a little bit about your acting career. What have you done? What have you seen? What have you learned? Are you still doing acting currently? Yeah. So I'm really excited because during the pandemic, I got a whole new team and I've been going out multiple times a week. I have a feature film audition that's due in a couple of days and it's dialogue heavy. It is, there's so much dialogue. So sometimes that's like, depending on what's happening in your life, you're like, oh, it's so, it's so dialogue heavy. And so it's like, it's heavy because it's, it's work because you have to eat well, depending on what's happening in your schedule for the week, you have to put everything aside, get proper rest. And then, you know, we're human beings, but you have to like memorize all this material. So sometimes it can be difficult, but that's why you have your craft and you're always practicing. And I have over two decades of practicing my craft. So it's like, I'm equipped for that, for that to happen. Right. But sometimes when it's like, you know, dialogue back and forth, it's, it's more fun. Cause then it's like what you're saying, I'm listening. And based on what you're saying, it's a key word of what you're saying. So then instead of like thinking, about the monologue or the dialogue, I know the response to it because I'm attuning to, you know, the back and forth communication. So sometimes it's more fun to do auditions like that right now during the pandemic and even before the pandemic, but even more now, it doesn't matter where you are in the world as an actor, everything is self-taped. So it's so much fun, especially Mm -hmm. if you have social anxiety like me. And I remember back in the Julia healing stories about Julia Roberts and Jennifer Aniston and like George Clooney, how like they went out for so many pilots or they booked so many pilots before one actually got picked up and how much anxiety people would get. Cause like you literally prepare so much and then you go into a room for five minutes and it's like, thank you. And then they, like see the next person, but with self taping, it's like, you can see if your lighting's good. You can see if like, if, you know, and if it's like, if, you know, you're not, if you sneeze or you cough or you lose your breath or something, or if you're, you're not feeling the moment, you can just hit stop and re-record and then send in like your best takes or send it to your agent or your manager for them to look at your best takes. So sometimes when you're in it and it's like, there's like 30 photos or two, five takes. It's like, how do you pick which one? It's overwhelming. So you can give it to someone outside of yourself. Someone's a part of the team and they're like, okay, you were connected the most here, send Mm -hmm. this take. And then you're like, awesome. And it's great to have that, that team support. So that's kind of like how the industry is now self-taping instead of like going into the audition. Like I would sometimes have four auditions in one day, Warner brothers lot, Fox lot, Paramount lot. And you're walking across lots, like having a whole wardrobe in your back in your trunk, like just changing outfits all the time. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, what has been your favorite project to date? If you're allowed to say, or do you have a favorite? So we're on acting because I'm like for acting favorite project. Because I know that you were, you did a a bit in always sunny in Philadelphia, right? Oh yeah. It was Charlie's prom date. Like, (laughs) 
How cool is that? Charlie's prom date. I mean, that was epic. Those guys were great to work were with. Were they awesome? Okay. They were so good. And they gave so much free range. And Wendy O'Brien, amazing casting director. I love Wendy O'Brien. She's such a hard hitter. She's like mm-hmm. so awesome. Like she's so cool. Um, so she was working with who's Greek also, John um Papsideris. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's Greek. He's a casting director. I think he owns like it's called like the Waffle House on Sunset Boulevard by Ivar by the L.A. Film School. But we've had some waffles there before. I think it's called Waffle House. But he's a really he's a really cool casting director. He just had me in for a project actually recently. Well, in on a self tape. So it was great for him to see my work because he, I haven't seen his work for a while because I did take a break from on screen. I've been doing voiceovers. I see I have a um, home studio. So I was going to ask about that. Yeah. For, for yeah. those of you watching on YouTube, she's got this full, we're, we're talking padded wall studio here. Yeah. 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 So I have three home studios, one in LA, one in New York and one in Michigan where I grew up. So for voiceovers, for podcasting, because everything's, I can just do it from home. And I took a break from on screen acting for a little while just because I needed to go on like a soul journey to discover mm. some things because see just like podcasting and in real life people are talking or you're either listening or not listening and in acting when a lot of people when they were on tape because I even if you go in for the audition mm-hmm. the casting director or the casting director assistant is still recording you and they showed the director and the producers but what happens is when people are self self-taping or when they're on tape when it's not your line, the big thing about acting is people turn to be a dare in headlights because they're mm. like thinking about their next line that uh. they're not connected to the actual moment. So mm. that's why I did a DJ music program because I already studied with Susan Batson and Margie Haber and Leslie Con- Leslie Kahn and all the best in the industry at comedy, drama, LA, New York, and London. And so I went to this DJ music program for one year to become a better listener, you know, to be attuned to sound and, and to listen and to hear. And so, so that was really cool. Also, because there was this Hollywood stigma where it's like, I wasn't booking these roles because they're like, oh, she's a great actor, but she looks 10 years too young. Like she doesn't look the part like, like, or like, you know, she looks good, but we don't know if she's going to age well. And it's like, it's like, I was, I was like, I was like at this in-between stage where it was like, I was too young for certain roles, but then I was like, like, yeah, just looking too young for certain roles a lot of time. <laughs> let, let me ask you this. Is there a direct link between your acting career and what you're doing in terms of being a female empowerment coach today? Oh, totally. I, I do industry coaching. So I'm really excited. I have this 11 X method that I created what because I, well, I was, a, thank you for asking. I was a cross country runner. Well, I am always a, once a runner, always a runner. And since I ran cross country and I learned about the short-term, medium-term, long-term goals, and I've had coaches my whole entire life, I know what it's like to be a kid growing up in a sports mentality. And it prepared me for life for the Mm -hmm. game of life mentality for not only life, but being in entertainment and knowing the networking and the people that I meet. And it's a planted seed and relationship and job. And I mean, when someone's working as an assistant, they're going to be the the agent one day. If someone's, you know, they're going to be the executive one day. Barbara Forentino, love her. Rebecca Mangieri, love her. They were partners. They tested me for Point Pleasant back in the day for Fox. 
Yeah. And now Barbara Florentino, she follows me on Instagram and she's the head of casting at Hulu. Like I had no idea. Like she's the head of casting for Hulu now. And so there are so many people, you know, who are just, you know, they're assistants and then they're, they're doing, and you don't, you don't know these things. You don't know who's going to be what, like, like, I don't know, like I could totally be into space tomorrow. Right. And just leave. (laughs) But, but even if you're into space, it all goes hand in hand with entertainment. I think they all go hand in hand being an environmentalist. Right. I'm a part of the Emma's environmental media association. Two of my friends are on the board. I met so many people are my friends there. Jaden Smith's on the board. Amy smarts there, like uh, so many people. And it's like, they're advocates for the environment. And so, you know, it's like, as a coach, it's like, I'm a human being and I'm in entertainment and I'm into mental health advocate. I'm into the environment. I participate in these events. You don't think that would have anything to do with entertainment, but they are. So it's like when you're coaching people, it's like not only like who you are as a person, but knowing your core and what triggers you and makes you tick because you want to do that and then know your interests. So then you have these commonalities. So when you're associating with, you know, Ned Lott, who's an amazing voiceover director who just called me the other day personally and said, I want you to bring you in for this project. Which agency are you with? Are you still with Vox? And I'm like, yes. You know, he contacts me from a job I was up for like a few years ago. But it's like he likes my work, but also you have conversations with these people. So if you're into environment or mental health or whatever you're an advocate for, if you're from Detroit, it's like, oh, I remember you, you're Greek. Oh, I remember you, you're from Detroit. <laughs> We're human and people want to break down those invisible walls and be vulnerable to connect. So I'm really great at showing people how to break that that glass and those walls and to kind of blah, put yourself out there to dismantle that that awkward, you have to like break the ice, those uncomfortable moments, but then strategize, you know, to, to have those goals, you know, for, for a vision, because everyone is on their own life journey and path. Yeah, absolutely. Incredibly well said. You mentioned that you were kind of going through this period of time where it was like, I'm this in-between age. People are saying I look too young. How am Mm. I going to age or whatever? Right. Was there a specific event that occurred and feel free to say no and shut it down if you want to, but was there a specific event that occurred where you just said, you know what, I'm out for a little bit, time out? Yeah. It's kind of like the metaphor of if people can relate when you're driving and you have brakes and pads and these rotors and you have to, and they get to that point where it's like screeching and they rust and you have to change the brake pads when they get to a certain place or you'll burn out, or you'll do so much damage. Mm -hmm. And I was reading thousands of scripts. And I mean, at this point, success is measured. And for me, I worked with De Niro, Pacino, Nicolas Cage. Like I worked with like Morgan Freeman, Antonio Banderas. I worked with the top 35 filmmaker in the world. So for me, I'm like, I've made it. Like like some people, they want an Oscar Golden Globe. If it's going to happen on my journey, that's cool. But for me, and I watched it, but like for me, it was like, oh, I'm successful. Like I made it. Success was there for me. And I was just reading thousands of scripts and going out for all these projects and I wasn't sleeping any with anyone to get any roles. Like I already went through all the slime bags, you know, in entertainment and all those things that happen. It's like, no, thank you. And, you know, that wasn't my journey. And and I just wanted to be a free bird and just travel and just expand my wings. And 
I wanted to just kind of just always try new things. If something wasn't working, I wanted to play and have that curiosity. I had a bad breakup. And so I went to the South of France and I traveled on a yacht for the summer. And then I came back and I booked Dustin Abraham. He booked me on CSI, the original. Wow. So I did that and that was cool. And it was kind of like in that moment where it's like, I just felt like the vibe was just like, my instincts, that intuitive hit, that voice that most people don't listen to mm-hmm. sometimes, that intuitive hit told me like, just go travel. So I just I just went and traveled. I kind of like left it all behind and I did what I did and I just wanted to explore, you know, and then I was, you know, living on the East Coast and a friend of mine just bought a post-production house in London and then partnered up with another company that did films and one that Tony Kay, the director, amazing director who directed Blackwater Transit, and they were financing it. And I read the script and there was a role for me and they flew me to New Orleans to meet him to audition. And he didn't select me from the part for the part, although we oh during the pandemic, we've met on Clubhouse and now he follows me on social media <laughs> and I follow him. He's so cool. The famous director, Tony Kay. But it's like life's really funny like that. But so I was like, I felt like a Reese Witherspoon. I was like in this castle and I was just like reading scripts and they were financing the scripts. And I didn't work on any of those projects, a Blackwater Transit or the one with Philip Seymour Hoffman that he did with Marissa Tomei. That was a cool film, but it was so neat being able to like watch the films before they came out. Mm. But so that was like a slice of life where I was like approach. I was, I wasn't auditioning in LA every day, but I was like still like suctioned cupped into the entertainment industry. But from a standpoint of like, my girlfriend's boyfriend was the financier and I was living in a castle and he was funding the projects and I was just reading them. That was, that was really interesting. And then, then I was just traveling the world and then I just was writing poetry and I was having all these amazing experiences. I was on a private jet for a year and a half, every single week I was on a private jet, like sometimes twice a week. And I was just like living this like life I don't want to say that money can't buy because money bought those things, but I wasn't spending my money on those things. But sometimes people won't ever have those kind of experiences. And I was in a unique situation. And I'm like, this is so unique. And I'm going to see and experience all these things that most people will never, ever even imagine or get to see. So I was like, just enjoying it. Like I was just enjoying it. You know, Marvin Gordon, who's like, you know, my second dad, he he's like a surrogate father of mine and very close with my family since, you know, 2005. He's like, kid. He's like, you saw, you saw too many things too young because then my expectations became so high. I was going to ask that. Yeah. I was going to ask that question. Oh yeah. I wouldn't give anyone a chance because I'm in this 1% of this 1% of this 1% of the 1%. And it's like, I wasn't giving anyone a chance. I wasn't even giving myself a chance, but when I was young, I just, I was shooting for the stars. Like I was taught to, right. And I was shooting for the stars and, Mm. and, um, And so I and I wanted just to be so open and so available that I definitely wanted the best for myself. Right. And I went and had all those, quote unquote, materialistic experiences. And then through that whole program, you find out you're not taking those things with you. And when you do have those experiences, you see what happens on the other side of those experiences. And not for everyone. There's always different layers of experiences. But it was definitely eye opening to see, you know, unique things and then and then understand the different 
layers and then find, you know, a new balance within self, which was like being in an ocean because I mean, that was, you know, a major task to find that, that balance. Yeah. Wow. Girl, you have done a lot. It's pretty incredible. I mean, you're, you're just so the word is dynamic. You're so dynamic. There's so much going on. You mentioned poetry. Tell us about your book. Sure. Sure. I've always been a poet. I've always, I've always loved language. And my first piece, I was in a high school and it was called the oddball. I came home so frustrated. So like not emotionally hurt. I was just like built up, pent up and through my world travels, you know, and I had a lot of downtime by myself because it was my girlfriend with her boyfriend. So I always, you know, like one time we went to this castle in the Dominican Republic and we were with 18 people and like three of our dogs and I have my own room. And a lot of times we went to Bermuda. I have my own room and we go to like all these, you know, uh, where Loch Ness monsters from the town over Scotland and India and like, you know, Australia and, and I'm solo. I'm by myself. So I have my own hotel room all by myself. So I have, a, I'm having a lot of solitude time, although I'm traveling the world with people and friends and seeing the world. And so I was able to, you know, during the pandemic, I normally for my birthday, I'm like, if there's one place I could go, where could it be? And during the pandemic, I'm not traveling anywhere. So I'm like, well, let me shift and pivot that thought. If there's one thing I could do that I haven't done yet, what would that be? And I'm like, I've always wanted to be a self-published poet. So mm-hmm. last November, 11, 11 is my birthday. I said for my birthday, I'm going to become a self-published poet. I'm going to get, I'm going to make a goal, give myself a hard stop, give myself a few months. I gifted myself, I said by the spring and it was you know, World Poetry Day, March 21st, which is also my parents' anniversary. What what a great day to have a a love day on World Poetry Day. Like they're so lucky and just some people are so lucky and they just don't even know it. Like sometimes we just because it's handed to us, we don't understand it's such a gift. Like someone who's hearing this, like, oh, well, they're saying that or that or they're they're piquing their interest. But no, it's not. It could pique your interest, but it's not for envy or jealousy. It's to inspire you to be attuned to the opportunity of who you are and what you have and what gifts have been given to you, even if you think like you've been shorthanded, because I think in life, I'll be frank. I think, you know, growing up, I I used to suffocate myself when I was a kid in my pillow. I used to Whoa. pray to God. I used to say, why am I here? And I would pray to God that he would take me back. Like I wanted to die. I didn't understand like why I was here on the planet. Like I, when I was a kid, you know, so like we all have situations where we feel unworthy, unjust love. And that's why I can be the coach that I am because I know the deepest of the deepest lows and the highest of the highest highs. And, and we're human being and we all relate. But what I learned along the way was flaunt what you got. You know what I mean? And like, if it's your hair or if it's your communication skills or if it's art or if it's color or whatever that is, and someone wants to diminish it, but it makes you happy and it makes you shine. That's the thing to be committed and consistent to because you are you. And when you wake up and when you go to bed, we get to look at ourselves and we get to go to sleep with ourselves and we come into the world alone and we leave alone. So no matter what anyone says, and 99% of the people have said certain things to me, but I was that that one percent was my own voice, and I'm like I'm gonna listen to myself. So I've had so many hard times, and and through those hard times, I decided to put it into poetry. You know, what a beautiful so, outlet. It's so beautiful. Thank you. And same thing with like having canvases. Like I can have a bright canvas, and then I can 
15 minutes later, do another canvas and it's dark. And it's like, I can let out the light and I can let out the dark. But the important thing is to purge and to let it out. So through a lover's fairy tale in the pandemic, I looked at some of my poetry and my very first one as a self-published poet. For me, a lot of poets write about, I was researching, I'm like, wow, these poets write about during during certain things. I noticed I write about love. I write about love in my poetry. Mm -hmm. And so for my first one, I called it a lover's fairy tale because I love fantasy. I love play. I love curiosity. When we're kids, you know, like Mark Twain and the quotes and rainbows and angels and colors. And we're told to explore as kids. And then somewhere along the line, they're like, saddle up, grow up. Like, it's like, cut off your fire. It's like, become an adult. It's like, stop playing around. It's like, but I I was told to play. So, and the artists who are my friends and the people I meet who are of of the people I want to nourish and be around who feed my soul are the people who still have that childlike curiosity. So Mm. it's for adults. It's for teenagers. It's for kids. It's clean. It's friendly. And 11 is my birthday, 11, 11. So I decided to 11 pieces and 11 pieces in the poetry book. And then my dear friend, Robert Sturman, who's a legendary artist, photographer, um, we did a series together. I was his muse during the times of these travels. And so he he and I curated a, a series and I asked him if I could put these images They're They're Polaroids. They look like paintings, but they're Polaroids from the original Polaroid company that was discontinued in 2011. Whoa. And so these are super rare and he's amazing at Robert Sermon. You can check him out on Instagram and his website, the Rob, Robert Sermon studio.com and you can get prints and stuff. But, and then I'm like, yo, I'm like, is it cool? Like I put co- I put them on coffee mugs for like coffee and poetry. Cause they like go together, you know, but, and I, <clears throat> I selected these images because they were the essence of my soul and my spirit of who I was and what I was going through during those times when I wrote these pieces. Wow. You guys, if you're just listening to this, you got to hop on over to YouTube and actually watch the video because she's sharing some of the images inside of this book and they are stunning. Yeah. Wow. Oh, and a lover's fairy tale has all the images on there too. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. So it's that website, just to be sure, aloversfairytale.com. You can be sure to check out the poetry book there. Yeah. And then the people, if they want, they can put in their email. And I was sharing, I have a gift for the viewer and the listener. They can put in their email and it sends an automation of a lover's fairy tale playlist because through, I'm not a marketing specialist at all, like D is. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, girl. But I, during the pandemic, when we had all, all that time and I was putting together the, the book to honor myself and then to put my creations out into the world to spread love through a ripple effect of the language of love so people could be inspired within their own souls. I saw all these music videos that spoke more music videos that I did to these pieces because they're some of my favorite pieces. And I decided to like rebrand and repackage it 
with the book to make it art on art on art to gift the visceral, sensorial, auditory playlist to, you know, to the person who may be interested in poetry and seeing some some of the work that I produced. It's incredible. Wow. So, okay. We've talked about music too. So you have a whole music brand called the sophisticated psychos. Is that right? Okay. How did that name come about? I love that name so much. Well, being a fellow Greek, you'll totally get it. There's St. Sophia's in, in Los Angeles, downtown LA, Normandy and Pico. Love that church. But sophisticated psychos means wisdom minds. It's a Greek rooted word, Mm -hmm. wisdom minds. And like there's the insanity and genius. So it's like when you're a producer and you're making a film or if you're a creator or uh, an entrepreneur, like anything, there's the hope, there's the faith, there's the 60 to 70,000 thoughts per day we have, according to Dr. Joe Dispenza. So we have all these thoughts that are energy that actually turn into form that turn into matter when we materialize it, like a laptop or a phone or emailing. So, or this book, it was an idea that was a thought that Mm. turned into form that turns into matter that turns into a physical object. Right. So same thing with the sophisticated psychos. So it's like that fine line of creativity and walking that line to have the vision to make your dreams become a reality and the intentionality of those things with your ethics and morals and your values and who you are and what you stand for and understanding that from your core from within and a discovery. And if you don't know what that is, which a lot of people don't, because I didn't for a long time and I was so confused in my head, the best advice I can give you is imposter syndrome is to the perfectionist syndrome, which I used to have, I dismantled that gold medal and to start messy, just start, just do it. Just, just write it, just blah, just get it out there. Just make it happen Just start messy. Cause when you start messing, you get it out there then, or you're journaling about it. Then you go back and you're like, circle, circle, circle. You're like, oh, toes in the sand, toes in the sand, toes in the sand. Oh, maybe I need my toes in the sand. That keeps coming up because your soul saying like, I need to get my toes in the sand. Or if it's like an ice cream shop, an ice cream shop, a vegan ice cream shop, like it means like you want to do a vegan ice cream shop and maybe you don't want to do it alone. So you get a partner. Maybe you want to be all about women empowerment and you want to do a cute theme to it. Then you find like a woman who has you know your same like goals and core values and maybe have kids together or not, you know, separately, but, and and you want to make it a family fun thing. So there's so many avenues of what one can do. That's the beauty of life. And that's also, you know, the separation of all the noise out there to, to be in solitude, to dismantle, to get quiet, to sit with self and just to breathe and breathe and just keep breathing on a cellular level. So the oxygen can literally get to our cells so they can rejuvenate and replenish, which is something people are like, Oh, popping a pill. I take a pill. It's going to work, but no, like just actually breathe and get so super still with oneself. It's the same thing of having the ethics, the morals and the values. And same thing is like having the, the faith and the hope, you know, like that maybe you can't like, hold on to that it's the air you can't like grab onto it but it's there and we know it's there with the conviction of 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 grace and and that kind of power it's kind of kind of all over the place but yeah sophisticated psychos so it's taking all of that and it's that fine line right to and having a team player and having that vision 
to walk on that fine line through creativity, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which you have an abundance of, and it's so fun just to hear you talk about all of it. And on a psychological level, I mean, positivity breeds positivity. Like you've, like you've said, I've read it on, on your website as well. Right. And so because you are so positive, I want to keep talking forever, but I know that I, I have to be respectful of your time, but if our listeners have an interest in working with you, what's the Hmm. best way for them to connect and be able to do that? Uh, just chinakis.com. There's a link there. You can sign up if it's life coaching or industry coaching. So it depends if it's more macro, if it's life or if it's something specific of the entertainment industry, all aspects of entertainment. Okay. That's incredible. And you also have your own podcast on top of all of this. Tell the listeners a bit about that too, if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. You can email me if you want to attune to a certain podcast specifically. It's called She's All Over the Place. And She's All Over the Place is about, you know, ethics, morals, and values. It's sharing my over two decades of experience in the entertainment industry, in addition to my own personal interests, what I've learned about being all around the world, traveling the world. So like neuroscience and spirituality and, you know, the leading people with hypnotherapists and understanding trauma. And so really self-development and it's an arts podcast. And I'm so excited. We just hit, I think like 22, 23,000 downloads. We have over 4,000 downloads per month right now and growing. So that's really cool. And season four, I would love to have you on. You have to book season four. We're about to wrap up season three, season four. I am curating a women empowerment series. It's I'm really excited. So it's going to be geared to our all to empower women, female identifying women. And so that's kind of what's coming up for. She's all over the place. There are some episodes that give the intricacies of what she's all over the place means, but in a nutshell, it's obviously she's all over the place. World travels. She's all over the place. Maybe with my mind, I don't quote myself as ADHD, but um, someone who's like all over the place, it's just my uh, creative mind. Americans or medical people, they want to say, oh, that's an ADHD thing. You can't test for ADHD. People don't know. But also she's all over the places from understanding trauma, from wanting to be a bird and go out into the world and, and get away. I was just like running, running, running. Like there's this, oh God, Roaming Free Inside the Cage is an amazing book. So when you you understand Roaming Free Inside the Cage, it, it, it teaches us about the resistance that we all have and understanding that resistance. And so I ran so far and for so long from my own self. And most people, especially during the pandemic, we were forced to look inside and a lot of people freaked out and couldn't handle it because you're so looking inside of yourself and a lot of people run from ourselves. So it's the, it's the journey of running so far away, but then running to myself and going deep within myself to understanding why I ran from myself. So is that the book like it it involves the Enneagram and spiritual? Okay. And the author of that is William Schaefer. Is that right? Exactly. Okay. What is your Enneagram number? Your um, primary. Oh, that's, oh, what's yours? I'm an eight. Cool. Cool. Eight. Oh my God. So eight is where I go when I'm stressed. I go to a four when I'm Shakespeare's a four. I go to a four when I'm in my bliss. That's why I love the way I'm speaking. And people are like, oh, how is she that way? Because aesthetically, it could be a chair. It could be like your chalkboard. Like aesthetically, I find beauty in like everything. Mm-hmm. So that's 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 my that's my highest place. But I'm a two. 
so two, I'm a two, I'm the heart center. And my wing is a one, which is the perfectionist. The, and three is the image, like, like everything, like if we go to a Barney's, a storefront, everything being perfect for like an ad or being a model. And like the image has to be so perfect. That's the three. That's the image of uh, Jerry Maguire, a, a woman, a Judith. She's amazing. She's, she is amazing. Oh my God. I have a story about her, but she invited me to a two day and she took films and did the Enneagram through film. So Jerry Maguire, the opening scene of Jerry Maguire and, and his wife where they're, or where they're engaged, they're both image, 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 image. And then he loses the job and she's like, oh, what's my dad? What's everyone going to think? And she slaps him and then they get they break off the engagement because she was so worried about her self image that she mm-hmm. couldn't proceed any longer with him because he like quit his job. So though they were both threes, but then he goes off to becoming evolved through the movie and then gets with Renee Zellweger, who's a nine, the peacemaker. Wow. But so my 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 joy place when I'm relaxed, like right now, you're like, this is her relax. But my joy place, <laughs> <laughs> but my joy place when I'm relaxed and enjoying is traveling aesthetically, like is a four, like Shakespeare. Hitler's an eight. Hitler's an eight? Hitler's an eight. Yeah. Well, I don't know how I feel about that now. <laughs> well, well, no, I mean, that's the devolve, like the Jokers. Yeah. I think the Jokers an eight, too. I think the Joker in the movie, the Joker, I think he's a seven or an eight. Robin Williams is a seven. No, but that's when you're in your devolved state. Like mm-hmm. if you're an eight and you're evolved, then, you know, you have to see. I don't know your Enneagram. You'd have to see with, with yours what, what you are. Do you know what you are? I'm relatively new to learning about it. In fact, on a previous episode, we talked with Lisa Lewis coaching. Lisa oh. Lewis is amazing and she's an Enneagram practitioner and she has a whole, her own podcast, Leco Lean and Podcast is all about at least this, this piece of the season. She's just getting ready to wrap it up, was talking, giving a voice to all the different types and explaining the ins and outs and the positivities and the negativities to the different sides and the different wings and where people go. So I'm very fresh and new. So all I know at this point is I'm, my primary is an eight. I lean on my five when I'm not feeling very balanced or centered. And that's been very interesting to see. And I've, I've always been an eight. I've, I've taken the, the assessment twice, once when I was really young. And then again, recently, and I, it's just, it's fascinating. It's fascinating to learn. And with my team, so I, I lead a team of 30 and I requested, said, look, for company culture purposes, please, can we all just take the assessment? I'm going to pay for it. I just want to know who is who so we can balance these teams and see if maybe some people are going to work better with others. So from a business standpoint, it's been incredibly helpful, just invaluable at figuring out you know, these personality types. And if someone's having a bad day, more knowledge, right? So I'm going to totally add value to you and your teammates. But first and foremost, what you just said, I have a team of 30 as an eight, you're able to boss lady to have a team of 30. That's your, yeah. that's your powerful eight. But what, like you said, when you're in your devolved state, you're not an eight where Hitler was, you're a five, you're, de- <laughs> you know what I mean? You're, yeah. you're a five. Yeah. But so the thing is when you're 13 doing your Enneagram, your palette changes. So where your Enneagram na- is now, isn't when you were 13. And if you do it in five or six years, because it, as you know, it's based off your habitual patterns, not how you want people to perceive you, right. not how you want to be, but how you are now. So yeah. we're always evolving and changing. So your Enneagram, you have to really do it like once every once, once it depends how rapidly we're changing, which is pretty rapid nowadays. I would say like once a year, do your Enneagram. Now, what I would really love to say is, do you know your human design? 
my human design. I've never even heard that phrase. Enlighten me, please. What, what does this mean? This is exciting. So I'm going to, my sister turned me on to human design. Sonia is an expert. She was on my podcast. I'm going to introduce you so they can both be on your podcast if you want them, but you don't even have to pay for it for your team. It's free. It's mybodygraph.com. And you can, there's five different types. I'm a projector and I would love to see your type. I, let me know. Let I me will. know your yeah. But <laughs> this is so li- fun. And you're gonna love this because a lot of parents are having their children do their human design Whoa. because let a small example is like, oh, Alex isn't doing this. Alex isn't doing this. I want Alex to do that, but they're not doing that. And you and then the parents emotionally frustrated. The teachers are upset because Alex isn't doing this. But when you know Alex's human design, hmm. Alex isn't doing this because they're not like this. It's not how they are. Oh, it's, it's like another deep layer. It's amazing. Oh, wow. yeah. So I'm looking at the site, mybodygraph.com. Know yourself. The human design system is the next generation of self-knowledge. Very cool. Okay. I'm going to put this in the show notes for our listeners to check out as well. I'm a big resource nerd. So this is very exciting. <laughs> Thank you for this. Me too. Cool. Yeah. My pleasure. Of course. Amazing. Oh my That's why gosh. We're here. Oh my That's God. why we're here. Right. Just to, just to share knowledge. Okay. So you have obviously done so much travel. You've spent time in, I'm sure just the most incredible places all over the world. Where do you call home now? Where's home for you? Well, I grew up in Michigan. So, you know, my family lives in Michigan. I love, I love my family very much. I'm a big Greek family, but I have a condo in New York and a house in LA. So I live in LA and New York. And uh, yeah, so those are, those are my homes right now with the industry. Like I said, you can be anywhere. I'm, I'm really looking towards maybe New Mexico, Austin, Texas. There's amazing people in Austin who are like-minded of the neuroscience and the things I'm into. So maybe Austin, Texas could be a possibility, but I think Mexico could be like really cool. Or like if I were to leave the city because of, you know, not being in such a busy, chaotic area. Cause I'm an empath and I'm a HSP, a highly sensitive person. Mm. You know, I think Hudson Valley could be really cool. Cause I can have, it's like Europe, you have your car, but you can just drive an hour to the city when you need to be in the city for work. So mm-hmm. I could maybe just get like a house in Hudson Valley maybe, nice. but Very yeah, nice. but yeah, I mean, I mean, like I said, in the industry, you can be in anywhere, but my goal is to get to Bali. I mean, for some reason wow. I feel like my home and my heart is Bali. Like, wow. I, ha- I haven't been, yeah, I haven't been there yet, but I just feel like, I feel like that's my home and I haven't been there yet. It's weird. Where is the family from in Greece? What part? My is from the island of Chios, C-H-I-O-S. It's one of the largest Greek islands. You can see Turkey from it. Are you, is your family from there too? No, but my best friend is. And, and we were joking just the other day. He's like, I'm telling you, we're just the coolest. I'm telling you, everyone you meet from Chios is the best. <laughs> yeah. Kios, the South Village Cardamila. It's where the glycol from is the sweet, the, the mystica, the chewing gum, the sweet. So, and then my papu's from Gallic City, which is the mainland. He's from Gallic City. And then one of my favorite islands is called Noxos, N-A-X-O-S. It's, I call it the Cherry Island. There's 40 sustainable villages all year round. They're known for the potatoes and the marble. It's where they're, it's they're one of the biggest exports, imports, exports in the world marble on Naxos. I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. And there's so many ruins there. Like there's so many ruins. That's beautiful. How fun. Yeah, and, I'll, and I'll give the, the listener and the viewer a hack. Okay. Right. 
when you show up on the fast boat, take the fast boat, spend the extra five, 10 euros, only do the fast boat. When you show up on the fast boat, when you arrive at the port, it doesn't matter. Morning, day, night, middle of the night. It doesn't matter. My uncle calls them hagglers. There's like Greek hagglers. It's like little signs. Instead of any, any port you go to any, any Island you go to. So instead of spending 200, $300 on hotels, because you're a traveler or tourist, you spend more, you just show up at the port mm-hmm. and there's these Greek hagglers. You just show up with your valitza, your suitcase. And there's the Greek hagglers with the signs. You can get on the water, housekeeping, Wi-Fi, a lockbox, your room safe, two, three beds in the same room with Wi-Fi. Everything's clean. It's, everything's clean for like 30, 40 euros a night Amazing. instead of spending. Yeah. So like I went to Noxos, I just like showed up because I knew because I went there before I just showed up and I'm like, OK, I found one of the Greek hagglers and I'm like, I'm like four days. I ended up staying like 11 days and <laughs> and then, yeah, then I went to Antiparos and Paros and it's only like a 15 boat mm-hmm. boat ride like mm-hmm. to go. So instead of like taking my valita, my suitcase with me, I just and if I'm only paying 30 euros, I just I left it as like a storage. I le- and I just took a backpack and I was able to travel around to the other islands nice. and, and keep my suitcase as like a storage while I travel these other islands. I went to Delos for like a tourist day trip. And and then and then I went to back to Noxos and I spent some days there. So the thing I love about Noxos is it's a traditional island. It's not mm. even though the blue and white so pretty, it's it doesn't have the blue and white like Santorini, like Mykonos, like like the tourist islands. Yeah, it still has like the authenticity of the energy. And like I said, it has uh, Demetria, Dionysus, like the Borta, like right when you arrive, it's called Borta because the door is the only thing standing, mm-hmm. but they have. It's really, really historical there. So, and it's a huge island. So my sister and I, we got to go to Greece. It's been a long time. I was there in 2007 and we actually took the wrong fast boat and ended up in Noxos. And we were like, cool, whatever, we're here. And we loved it. Like, this is incredible. And yet you got the hagglers out there. It's like, you know, old school Airbnb, someone offering it to you right there. It's so awesome. You saved thousands of dollars. Yeah, Yeah, Like literally, because you can go to any port. So when you arrive, you know the ruin I'm talking about when you're arriving. You know, I don't remember that one. Oddly oh, you enough. weren't outside. You weren't outside. I don't, yeah, I you don't weren't outside on the ship. You look. you were in your seat. You were a good girl in your seat. Because <laughs> if you were outside, <laughs> then you would have seen it. Darn it. But I, oh. I got to look at blue of a picture now. Look at the um, images. When you when you were growing up, did you do the Greek dancing with the of church? Course. OK, did you oh. compete? Did you go to FDF? Was that your I, world? I didn't compete, but I went to events where they try to. Greek boys came from New York, Chicago, yep. where they try to partner us up at like, you know, I'm 14, sure. <laughs> 15. And you were like, not for me. <laughs> Didn't happen. Did not happen. I met someone actually. He was very, very sweet. I was 18, 19, but he was ready to like get hitched, have the family. Wow. And I was this independent boss woman, like let's <laughs> go venture off into my career. Right. So so he wrote me this three page letter. It was so sweet. And he's so amazing that he met someone he was going to get married and start a family. So he went off and did that. And I haven't seen or spoken to him since, but he was he's amazing. He's so sweet and very, very successful. 
Wow. Just culturally, it's, it's so fun to chat with you. So I, I grew up doing the competitive, I mean, really competitive, think about it, Bay Area churches, and we would do FDF. People come from all over the West Coast. I think, I think they do nationwide now, but yeah, FDF was a very, it was a big deal. I competed for, I want to say six or seven years and we won, we got some some medals and stuff, but I mean, I loved it. I still do. I love it. Anytime there's a a festival in town, I just, you know, I I giggle to myself like this is home, you know, it's just like home. They do have festivals, Chicago, LA, you know, the, the festivals. Yeah. Well, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for taking the time with me. And for those of you listening and watching, I'll be sure to have all of the links on how you can connect with her in the show notes. And just, wow, you were just so lovely. Thank you again. Thank you. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me and the listener and the viewer for tuning in and holding space and being here. You could be anywhere in the world and you're here with us. So it really, really means a lot to us. Thank you so much and stay connected with us. Definitely. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye, D. Hey, friends. Thank you so much for spending a little time with me this week. Your feedback and support means the world to me. And if you would like to continue to support the Tuesday Tea Podcast, you can do that by heading on over to Apple Podcasts clicking that subscribe button to be sure you never miss an episode. And hey, while you're there, if you wouldn't mind leaving a review, I would really appreciate it. And for you ladies, if you haven't heard the word yet, there is a new Facebook group that we would love for you to join us at. It's called the Inspired Women's Business Network. So head on over to Facebook, join the conversation there, and I will talk to you next week. Bye.